Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, May 10th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today, and although the team went a not-so-abysmal 2-3 and three since the last time we talked, some of the problems they've experienced all year remain unsolved. They're not hitting in the clutch. Whit Merrifield hasn't gotten going, and the pitching has been inconsistent at best. We talk about all of it today with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. You'll also hear a clip from Royals manager Mike Matheny. The show started as a Sports Beat Live presented by the University of Kansas Health System. Okay, let's get going. Good morning from unseasonably warm Kansas City. This is Sports Beat Live, our weekly chat and therapy session about the Kansas City Royals with. The writers who know them best, beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell are here today. And with you, send us your question and comments, and we will talk Royals with you. We, of course, as always, sponsored by the University of Kansas Health System, and we'll hear from them later in the show. Uh, okay, uh, I'm back after a week of abs- at week, de- week absence, and, uh, and listening to you guys last week, um, you know, that was the day that the the Royals were getting ready to play the Cardinals, and they, uh, they ended up winning that game that night 7-1. to one. I believe that was the Bobby Witt Jr. first home run game. And um, and then the Royals followed that up with a 10 to nothing loss to the Cardinals. They go out to Baltimore and win the opening game of that series – and then lose two in a row. Second game of a doubleheader, and then and then yesterday's game. So it's my way of saying that the Royals uh, had some moments in the last week since the last time you guys talked, but they cannot seem to create any momentum for themselves. They they cannot follow up a victory with another victory. In fact, they've only only twice this season have they done that. Have they followed a victory with a victory? They they won their first two to open. The season, and then they had a little three-game winning streak about a week later, and since then, um, no streaks at all. So, Lynn, uh, what's what? Why is this happening? Well, the the cliche is um, momentum is the next day's starting pitcher, right? So um, that's one of the places, not the only place, but that's one of the places. I mean, if you look at um, coming off of the uh, the win they had in the first game, um, Daniel Lynch gave up was it three early in the second game, I think. Um, but they also just didn't score a whole lot of runs for him either. So I mean, that was um, you know that's still been a problem. That's an ongoing problem. Um, and of course, it, you know that's that's been uh, that's probably contributed more so than some of the pitching things that we've seen. You know, because the pitching overall has been fairly solid. I mean, even you know, like I say, Lynch gave up some runs in that game, but he still only gave up I think three that day. And he's been, you know, Lynch, Grinky, and Keller have been the guys you've been counting on. So, um, but yeah, it just seems like the offense being inconsistent um, when they're able to scratch out some runs, it's not a whole lot. And then, you know, doesn't give the pitchers a whole lot of margin. And sometimes the pitchers, you know, hit their speed bumps. Um, I'm not sure that – I mean, both teams had to deal with the uh, the bunch of days off too because, you know, you mentioned Baltimore. I was in Baltimore, it feels like, two, three days before I saw any baseball. <laughs> so – but both teams had to deal with that. So, yeah, it's just uh, ups and downs in multiple areas right now. Yeah, you get to, you get to spend an all-star break in Baltimore last weekend, so – 
That was amazing. Yeah, the Royals had a scheduled off day, traveling to Baltimore, and then did not play Friday or Saturday and didn't get that thing going until uh, until Sunday. So the life of a beat writer, you get to hang out a couple of days in, in Baltimore without without any baseball. So, Sam, what are you seeing from, from the Royals or not seeing from the Royals here the last uh, last week or week, week plus, I guess? Well, I mean, I, I think the most alarming thing is you're not seeing development from the younger arms. I mean, it's, it's, it's the pitching staff as a whole ranks in the bottom four in ERA. But I think most alarming is just that, you know, you've got young arms that were supposed to be linchpins of this rotation by this year. And they're non-contributors. I mean, we saw Chris Bubich get moved to the bullpen last week. Um, we've seen Brady Singer and Jackson Coar get moved to Omaha. And, you know, uh, Daniel Lynch looks like he could be something, but you know that's four pieces of a draft that were supposed to be comprise this rotation by this year. And these guys came from college thinking that you know you know one of the benefits of them coming from college was that accelerated path to to get here by this time. Um, you know when Salvi Perez and and Whit Merrifield would still be in their primes, and you know Whit Merrifield has taken a precipitous drop. You know, Salvador Perez hasn't gotten going yet this year other than a streak of home runs early in the season. And, you know, when when you combine the fact that those guys aren't ready yet, and now I think it's fair to question if they ever will be ready, and then you're seeing some of the veterans that, that are, are, are having a decline in the first six weeks of the season, it's the timing is really not matching up for, for the way the Royals plan for this to work. Yeah, certainly not early this season. That's that's for sure. Um, let's talk about one of those pitchers, uh, Chris Bubich, who, um, when I meant when I went through what, basically last week's schedule, he was the starter in that ten to nothing loss. He is five, he's made five starts this year, and uh, in four of those games, the Royals lost seventeen to three, thirteen to seven, twelve to two, and ten to nothing. Bubich's ERA is thirteen point fourteen in twelve and a third innings pitched. Opponents have a 340 batting average against him. Um, he is no longer in the rotation. Lynn, is he? Uh, when 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 are we going to see Chris Bubich again? That's uh, to be determined. I mean, he's he's available. I mean, you could see him today out of the bullpen, um, but he's not scheduled to make a start. Um, they're they're going to need a starter here another day or so. They have not announced who that's going to be, um, but. Um, Chris Bubich is going to be in the pen. He could throw today. He could have thrown yesterday. Um, and he's not, uh, as of yesterday, I think before the game, I was talking to him a little bit. And um, there's no schedule. There's no, you know, um, be, be you know, sitting tight for this day or that day, at least not as of uh, pregame yesterday. Um, he's a bullpen arm. Um, I would say, though, just uh, as about Sam's comment about those four guys, I mean, Best case scenario, they all could have been in the rotation, but I don't think that you could necessarily coming out of that draft expect you're going to draft four guys to be in your rotation. Um, I mean, the likelihood, I mean, that the people will go back and forth on the numbers. I think I've talked to a couple people with the Royals. Is like, if you think you've got 10 guys, the way that's going to ultimately shake out is probably you might have to. <laughs> um, you know, just in terms of like guys who you think could be starters because there'll be guys who just, you know, don't quite pan out, guys who get injured, things like that. Um, now, all four of those guys look like they they had potential to be there. Um, and some of them may still be there. Some, I mean, but that's also the reason that you have Keller and Grinky there because you weren't going to rely on all four of those guys um, and say, okay, we'll just fill in a fifth one and, you know, or, 
or Carlos Hernandez, who you want to add in there, who wasn't part of the draft class. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely, that was the big question mark coming into this season. It's still a question mark. And I think as Sam says, there's uh, probably more questions to be asked or to be, I guess, answered, I should say, as we see how that, that goes along. You know, Blair, when you look at two of their five members of the rotation, uh, Hernandez and Bubich, they've thrown 35 innings this year and 10 starts. I mean, they're not even averaging getting through four innings. And so we thought early in the season that their bullpen looked like it could be something. When you're asking your bullpen to throw, you know, five-plus innings, two out of every uh, five nights, um, you know, I, I, I wonder what – toll that's going to have on the bullpen over the back half of the season. All right. Uh, one of those, we mentioned Carlos Hernandez just a moment ago, and boy, he got through the the order one time uh, pretty, pretty well at Baltimore on, on the Monday morning start here. And, um, and, and then he got roughed up and scuffled and, and that was it. So let's hear what Mike Matheny had to say about Carlos Hernandez's start yesterday um and uh, i want to ask you guys if you pick up anything else from Matheny in his response here so go ahead monty let's roll um, mike Matheny. he described carlos as night you know it does his first four were about best first four he's had all season um and just gets into a bind in the fifth and you know, gets his out he's at the bottom of the order um and uh walk and into a place to get a swing and miss pitch, and I think he just made a made a mistake that ended up costing a couple, and then it was hard to stop the bleeding once that happened. But up until that point, I thought it was about as good as he's been. I know the walk um, frustrated him, but he's been doing a good job of putting stuff like that behind him and then getting the next guy next pitch. Um, and I think once it did, um, he gave up the, the single with the men on second and third. And at that point, I think he's having a little trouble letting that one go. You know, it doesn't take long in this game, especially you roll the uh, lineup over and then you're looking at the top. He does get a second out. You know, we're looking at a two-run, two-one game right there with two outs. Uh, you know, he entered the inning at 46 pitches. So, I mean, I think he was just cruising so well. Then a couple things went out of uh, kind of against the plan. And um, I think he had trouble reining it back in. It's a shame because he had really good stuff today. He knows, he knows what he's trying to do. We get to the nine hole hitter right there, and he gets him to chase a high strike. And I think he tried to repeat it, but it ended up giving a better pitch than what he showed up. And that's he knows that, but knowing it and executing are two different things. And when you, you get pressure on you, uh, it makes it that much harder. But he knew what he wanted to do, and um, he'd been executing really good pitches in the strike zone and outside all day long. And just in that particular spot, you know, when you're in a close game, too, you know, we'll give him one run. We got him one run. I feel like they have to be perfect sometimes, and I know that it's easy on any pitching staff. So until the offense gets going, there's going to be more pressure on our pitchers. There's no and our defense. Um, not exactly how you want to be going about it, but you got to figure out how to do your piece. And when things start to unravel, to rein them in. He's done a good job of that. The whole staff has, um, for the most part. Today, one got away. Yeah. A big hit by O'Hearn right there too. Bobby getting a great jump on the steal after getting us just some some momentum. And, uh, we know. You know, their pitcher hasn't given up a lot this year. He threw well, didn't make a, a lot of mistakes, and the longer he went, the better he got. Changeup was really an impressive pitch, but um, we had some chances, especially late. We get guys in scoring position. We got to figure out how to put 
crooked numbers together by just stacking hits on top of each other, and they're just hard to come by right now. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, same same conversation. Um, guys are they're talking about it themselves. They know uh, it's obviously it's no secret. Uh, trying to get big hits in big situations, we've had some opportunities and uh, just happy they were put together. Encouraging to see Salvi sort of sticking with what you saw yesterday in terms of you know sort of trying not to do too much. Yeah, I, I believe that will eventually become contagious. But not many teams are opening up their infield like they just did to him. And, uh, just smart hitting, especially when you're not feeling really locked in. Let's take what they're going to give you. And uh, but he did a nice job of that. That video comes courtesy of Lynn Worthy, as does most of the video that is provided on this show. Um, I thought Mike Matheny, after kind of getting through a description of Carlos Hernandez, had some interesting things to say about the hitting. And I want to get into that with you guys right after we hear from the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Okay, we're back on Sports Beat Live with beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. We just heard from Mike Matheny and... Um, I thought uh, among his more interesting thoughts there uh, had to do with with hitting and uh, something worse to this effect. And until the offense gets going, it's going to be it's going to put pressure on our pitchers. Got to figure out how to put up crooked numbers uh, or put crooked numbers together. So he's absolutely right, Sam. I you know we we can we can talk about the, the pitching. I, I'm not saying it's been it's it's been good, uh, but it's been ahead of the hitting and. I just, when Royals come up, especially with runners in scoring position, with opportunities to put together an inning, it just doesn't seem to happen. It, it, um, you know, the, I, I go back to that game we started talking about the, the win over the Cardinals last week. They finally broke through with a, with a big, big inning late, the Bobby Witt home run game. But, um, you know, that that is so much the, uh, the the exception rather than the rule this season. Yeah, um, you know, the the, the pitching staff doesn't take all the blame just because the the lineup has been so terrible. Uh, you know, they're, they're last in the majors in total bases this year. They're bottom two in doubles, triples, homers. Uh, they're bottom four in OPS. So, you know, by every metric, it, it it's just a, a large way of saying that this this is no fluke what the Royals' record is. In fact, the, the Pythagorean theorem, I mean, the, the, you know, record has them as actually supposed to be worse. Than what they are. I mean, they've got the second worst run differential, and you know, thank God for the Cincinnati Reds and, and their tanking. Um, but the Royals, that you know, are, are in this stage of accidentally tanking. It feels like right now. I mean, you know, they're as much worse lineup than I think we all anticipated, um, and it's because you know they've got veteran guys who aren't producing. You went in before the season thinking that who are the two guys you wanted up at the plate with runners in, on base, runners in scoring position? It would be Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield. 
Those two guys lead the team in those situations, and they're not scoring runs. Yeah. And, hey, the Reds actually won a few games this past weekend. So um, catching, up, catch, catching up with the Royals. Yeah, yeah. So, no, you're, you're right about that, Sam. The, they're Both of those guys. Although Salvi actually had a pretty good Baltimore, didn't he, Lynn? Yeah, yeah. He had um, two hits in all three of the games. Um, I think it was one there was one or two doubles in there. But um, actually it seemed to be shortening up and sort of just – you know, it seemed like there's a bunch of games where he was just swinging for fences. And he talked about it after the doubleheader because um, he's always an aggressive swinger. We are. We all know that you've been you watch him for two games and you realize he's a free swinger. But I think last year and we talked a little bit about it last week, but last year that aggressiveness was part of what made that year so magical was because, you know, he would maybe go looking for pitches outside the zone, but he still wasn't missing them. Well, when you miss them and you put yourself in bad counts and you're putting pressure on yourself to be the guy who has to come through. Um, it just was a bad recipe. And that's, you know, he had a, a stretch. I think it was before that first two hit game, he had two hits in like almost 40 at bats. And so it was a long stretch of just, you know, futility um, for a guy who they have to have produce. And I think that was part of it was him feeling like he had to be the one to produce and just sort of making it even you know, piling on top of himself, just gripping a little bit. Um, but some signs there in the last two days, three games with two hits each. Um, we'll see if that continues. I, grew, I remember the, uh, you know, the stretch Salvi was on after the All-Star break where he went on that home run binge, home run in five straight games, had the, the, the grand slams. It was. I remember the series at Seattle was part of that, but I had forgotten until I read it, Lynn, in your story, that he had another stretch in, in in April, maybe into May, where he had a couple, you know, a couple of games in a series where he had walk off hits, and you know, had you know, really had, you know, there was some, some some clutch hitting for the Royals then, and you know, but we just have not seen that. It, hardly well, and a, and a lot of that was Salvi. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, the thing. Right. I mean, like it was, you know, like again, it was him feeling like he had to do it. And then last year he did it in April. It seemed like he did it just about every time. I mean, there were, I think it was, it was two walk-offs. One of those was a home run. One was a hit that was reminiscent of the wild card game. But then there was another home run that was like late. That wasn't a walk-off, but it was the go-ahead home run that's the side of the game in like, you know, the seventh inning or something like that. And I remember uh, specifically, you know, because they were, doing the high leverage thing with the bullpen. Everybody's like, well, who's the closer? Who's the closer? And I was like, well, there's not a closer. Then after like the third walk-off, I said, Salvi's your closer. There you go. <laughs> right. um, so maybe he is starting to fight out of this. would like to see a little more power. I used to think going to Baltimore meant uh, that's where you can get your power stroke back, but not anymore. Not since they moved those fences back and and uh, and built them up. It's it's a whole different ballpark now that uh, than it used to be, at least when the Royals were there for the ALCS back in, in 2014. Um, you know, Sam, you mentioned it, and we, we had uh, Lynn's uh, video of, of Whit Merrifield on two weeks ago, and, you know, Whit was talking about, you know, not having, you know, not off to a great start, but some there were some indicators that he was just kind of unlucky, you know, his hard hit percentage, that's that sort of thing, uh, batting average with, you know, balls in play also, but, there's just no getting around it. The numbers, the numbers are are just miserable, miserable now for for Whit Merrifield. Last time we talked, he had not hit lower than first or second in the batting order, and 
Uh, ever since then, he's been five or six. He's got his, you know, games, consecutive games played streak still going. And you wonder how much longer the Royals can carry that if he's, if he's not going to produce at the plate. It's, it, it, you know, it's, it's maddening and frustrating for Royals fans to watch this, but there's also, you know, you just feel a little bit for the guy too, who, you know, who just missed the, you know, the, the 2014 and 2015 teams and, you know, came up uh, later and produced in a big way for several years. But until he turns this around, this is the, one of the biggest drop-offs I think I've ever seen from from a player, Sam. What um, I've got some Merrifield numbers in front of me, but I don't want to go there. They're just terrible. You know, he's, he's sort of been on this uh, decline year by year for like three seasons now. Um, but it, it, it's so wild – to see this extended because those advanced metrics still are in line with his career norms. I mean, his, his hard hit percentage is higher than it's been any year except for the year that he got called up, um, was it 16. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 hard hit percentage, I think, is one out of every three balls he puts in play is considered a hard hit ball, and which puts his expected batting average still around 250. Now, just like Lynn said, you know, Salvi's got to produce for this lineup to produce. Whit Merrifield's got to hit better than 250 for this lineup to be anything. But the numbers aren't anywhere near 250 right now. And so the numbers show that he's still, you know, it's not like since we last chatted about this two or three weeks ago that suddenly he's just not hitting. He's still hitting into some really poor luck. And I'm sure he's going through this thought process right now of, how can it be me for six weeks? You know, how, how can I be the guy that's had some bad luck for six weeks now? Um, so it's a combination of the two. You know, he's hitting in some bad luck, but, you know, he needs to hit better than 250 too. You know, if his expected batting average is around 300, maybe he's hitting around 220. Um, so I think it's just the combination of the two right now. But, you know, it, it is important to say that he's hitting the ball harder than the numbers uh, would, would, would have you believe. I think uh, his his was the one that Cedric Mullins made the uh, highlight reels on yesterday too with the dive and catch in center field. And I remember just watching, and I think it seemed like maybe I'm just making more out of it because of the numbers being what they were. Um, it seemed like Whit rounded first and just stood there and was handled his hips for like an extra couple of seconds. Like really? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, you know, he's not striking out anywhere like above his career average. Uh, one thing that's that is a little different. Um, he, he's hitting a lot of fly balls. He, he's never been a big fly ball guy, but he's hitting a lot of fly balls, and those are those tend to be outs. And so that that percentage is up. Um, again, it, you know, batting average uh, on, on balls in play one fifty two. So that that kind of indicates that he's he's, he's not catching many breaks. But he's also you know more fly ball than line drive. And I'm you know, how many times do we see him lead off a game with just a, you know, line, line shot up the middle or, you know, something through the, something through the left side or, you know, we're doinking one to right field. You just, you just don't see that with Witt this season. And um, it is, you know, what are we, 20, is it, I'm trying to think of the record, 26 games into this. Um, yeah, they're, they're nine and 17, eight games out of first place. And uh, this, this has to be the most prolonged slump of his career. So, yeah, and Blair, Blair, to your point, you know, also pulling the ball more than, you know, he has been, um, you know, I, I think, you know, 37, 38 percent of his balls, I looked it up yesterday, are, are, are hit to left field. 
Um, you know, he, he's a guy that, that, you know, I mean, like most right-handed hitters hit the ball left field a lot and up the middle a lot, but um, he's not going the other way as, as frequently as he did. And Lynn, you know, to bring this back to Salvi for a second time, I mean, Lynn mentioned, you know, that, that Salvi's trying, um, you know, to get out of this, this, this phase of trying to do too much. And therefore, you know, when, when you can poke the ball the other way and just do something simple, sometimes that can get you going. And you do wonder if maybe with Merrifield, you know, and make the adjustment of not pulling the ball as frequently. And, you know, like you mentioned, I had, I hadn't even looked at that number, but I'd be interested to see how, how many times he's getting under the ball as opposed to topping it over his career north. All right. So um, let's talk about uh, player injuries are starting to pile up a little bit. Um, look finally like Edward Oliveros was going to get his, you know, his opportunity to stay uh, with the Royals, uh, and, and not do the the Omaha shuffle, and and then he gets hurt. So uh, one guy, he, he had been swinging the bat pretty well, had a four-hit game last week, Lynn, I believe. And uh, what, what about the Oliveris injury? Yeah, he, um, he injured his quad in the first game of Sunday's doubleheader. Um, and he went, he went on the IL yesterday, so and there's no timetable right now, um, but with a quad strain. Um, so... I mean, you still have Kyle Isbell, who, um, you know, left-handed guy, left-handed hitter who can play the outfield, can play multiple spots out there. Um, it was there was sort of going to be a little bit of a okay, how you find the time for everybody because um, you still have Dozier, um, Santana's on the IL right now too, so you can put Dozier first. Um, potentially, maybe it um, means you get MJ Melendez's bat in the lineup a little bit more now because, you know, obviously Salvi's going to be in there every day, whether it's catching in DH. Or, or DH, I should say, um, and Melendez, um, you know, has played some outfield in AAA. We haven't seen the majors yet, um, but that gives you another option where you don't, you know, again, without Santana and Oliveras, um, they brought Sebastian Rivero up, so you have a third catcher, so you have yourself covered if you have, you know, both of your catchers in the lineup, because we saw that the day that Cam Gallagher got hurt. You had both catchers in the lineup, and you moved Salvi back to catcher from DH, and you were – basically pinch in for the pitcher spot every time through because you lost to the age. So you don't have to worry about that and you're covered for injury. So, but yeah, he was, you know, finally starting to show that there's still a little bit of uneasiness in the outfield with some plays, but actually one of those plays in that game he got that he left was the play he got hurt on. Cause there's a couple, it seems like coming in on some balls. It just seems to be um, a little, you know, uh, just still rough edges, I guess you would call it and defensively. But um, but the the bat has been encouraging. All right. Uh, so the Royals are at Texas. Open up a three game series, right, against the Rangers, and uh, and then they finish the week with a trip to Colorado to play the Rockies, who are playing kind of uh, better than expected so far this year. The Royals still need to come up with a fifth starter, right, Lynn? Do we know uh, any any guesses on who that's going to be? They have not announced yet. Um... I know it's still uh, today's date, the tenth. I think you're still outside of the time frame where you you can't be Brady yet. So it couldn't be bringing back Brady Singer because he went down on the 28th, I believe. And aside from doubleheader or taking an injury uh, replacement, I think he's gonna have 15 days um, down there. So um, just look at the 40 man. That means maybe somebody like. Um, you know, Jonathan Heasley, um, Kowar, somebody like that, um, who's at AAA. I think Heasley's been doing better uh, recently. I'd have to go back and check and see what day he lines up for off the top of my head. I don't remember. 
Um, that or I don't know that they would do an opener type thing again, um, but we've seen them do that in the past. Um, again, Bubic is here, but as far as we know, he's you know he's a bullpen guy. So there's it'll be interesting to see what they do. They haven't announced anything yet. Okay, so uh, Royals throughout the week. Hopefully, um, we'll, we'll go a week without a, a Royals game ending without it being on television. Uh, that uh, that caught uh, Kansas Cityans uh, once again uh, over the weekend. So, um, hey, listen, great stuff from beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnist Sam McDowell. And big thanks to our uh, sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System, and to producer Monty Davis, who put today put together today's show. So, Larry Looper, thanks for checking in, and thanks to everybody who watched us today. Come back and see us next next Tuesday at 10 a.m., and the Royals will be home then against the White Sox. Okay, guys, thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for putting together the podcast and the live stream, and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights on the Royals. Morning Sports Edition was 32 pages today. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another edition of Sports Beat KC.